Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Saturday, January the 13th, 2024, and our reading for the day is from the gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus went out along the sea. All the crowd came to him and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the custom post. Jesus said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed Jesus. While he was at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners sat with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Some scribes who were Pharisees saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors and said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard this and said to them, Those who are well do not need a physician, but the sick do. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So this is a beautiful reading. I would say it's one of my favorites, although I have so many favorites in the Bible. Matthew, otherwise known as Levi, son of Alphaeus, is a tax collector. Let's talk about that at first. I like to say that a tax collector in our current day and age would be like a drug dealer. He makes a lot of money. He may be respected among enemies of society, civilized society, but typically people think he is a dirtball. They do not like him, and for good reason. He takes advantage of his people the way that a drug dealer or maybe a pimp would uh, take advantage in order to make money here, he, you know, in our current language, in our current day and age, you see somebody maybe driving a fancy sports car and making lots of money, wearing fancy clothes. But what is he doing? He's preying on the young. He's preying on the weak. He's really a scourge to society. And it's not to judge the individual. I know we're not supposed to judge people, but let's just talk about the reality of the fact that there are people in our society really just taking advantage of other people and making lots of money over it. Uh, I know we could come up with many examples in big business, in government, in all kinds of different positions. I'm thinking right now of the fact that I can't watch the Chiefs-Dolphins game on regular TV because they put it on a special app that you have to pay money for. And, you know, there's lots of arguing going on. Who's going to watch the game? Who's not? Because and, And they do this with baseball playoffs as well. They're already making millions They would be making lots of money if it was on regular TV, but no, they have to make it even a little bit harder, and they have to make it cost even more money than it already does. And yet there's people here in our world that work very hard for the few dollars that they make, and they just want to watch their favorite team. Anyway, that's a little side note. But the reality is, yes, there's people that take advantage of other people. And so the reason I compare them to a drug dealer is that Nobody likes a drug dealer. Even if the guy or girl is happy with who they are and what they're doing, what they're making, even somebody that's involved in the mob, this or that, they, they're they doing immoral things. They're not respected. If anyone does show them respect, it's really more a matter of fear. Matthew was feared. He was the tax collector. He worked on behalf of Rome to sell out his own people, to take their money and give it to the Romans or to give it to someone like Herod, who was a Roman puppet, even though he was loosely related to the Jews and referred to himself as their king, 
even though many of the people did not acknowledge him as a king. He certainly was not of the line of David and Solomon. So here we are with Matthew, and Jesus walks by, and he says, follow me. And Matthew drops everything and follows him. And then later we have Jesus at a party at Matthew's house with all kinds of other tax collectors and other public sinners, such as prostitutes. Prostitutes are like a common uh, group of people seen with the followers of Jesus, and not because they're seeking prostitution, but they're seeking their souls. They're seeking conversion, and these people are converting. Why are they, and uh, prostitution is a little bit of a different topic, which I I think it's good to get into that as well. Um, the overall point that I would like to talk about here today is just people's brokenness. We don't know exactly what's going on in their minds. We know our own brokenness, and sometimes we get a glimpse into other people's brokenness, and sometimes the brokenness becomes something public. A prostitute, you know, in this day and age, I mean, you have the phenomenon of sex trafficking. You have the phenomenon of porn where so many people are into it. It's such a multi-million, maybe billion-dollar industry. And then there's more and more videos being put out by Christian organizations showing that so many of these people, porn stars, prostitutes, people that maybe even are making tons of money from this sex industry are actually people that were trafficked, people that were brought into the industry. And I don't calling it an industry is really the wrong thing. It's it's a horrible situation. I don't know what it's it's slavery is basically what it is. But they were drawn into it because they were needy, because they were depressed, whatever, because they were tricked. And now they're the most depressed people in the world. Even Hollywood stars. Why is it that these people that are so famous and make so much money, they can't stay married to the same person and their children are all on drugs? (laughs) The list goes on and on and on. So let's get back to Matthew. In the TV show, The Chosen, Matthew is presented as autistic. I mean, they never say the word, but he severely lacks social graces, yet He's brilliant. For being, for myself being a Star Trek fan, he reminds me of Mr. Spock, the the Vulcan people in Star Trek. They are trained to uh, view everything with logic, live their lives based on logic, and suppress their emotions. As a result, they don't get along well with people socially, but they're the people you want by your side when you're trying to defeat some space alien whose technology and wisdom is far greater than your own. Maybe wisdom is the wrong word, but you get what I'm saying. The brain far outweighs the heart. Now, I love the fact that The Chosen presents Matthew as autistic in a, in a way. He, he appears to be on the spectrum because it brings attention to autism and it Uh, There's so much good about it. Matthew is a very lovable character. Um, And the apostles have to learn how to get along with him. They have to become more virtuous. Jesus has set it up in such a way in the TV show that they have to exercise virtue just to survive, just to get along because they come from these different backgrounds and different ones hate this one and that one for different reasons. And... So Matthew is presented in, he's like a Mr. Spock. He's like a walking computer. 
but he doesn't get along well with the others. And so, yeah, he's got to learn to overcome that. He grows. Jesus, of course, is the source of the healing and the growth. Um, Part of me really likes that. Part of me does not like it because in a way it gives Matthew a little bit of a uh, free ride with regard to his morals before his conversion. In other words, he was just doing what he knew best and and he was really good at it and he he couldn't relate to people emotionally anyway so he didn't feel their pain and therefore he's not really that bad of a guy he's just a misunderstood guy in that sense i'm not crazy about the choice because i've always pictured matthew as a dirtball he a guy who knew what he was doing he was hurting god's people and who knows what the source of his pain was Now, maybe in the show with the autism, yeah, there's a lot of pain there as well because he had a very difficult childhood based on just his own disabilities. Um, Then again, causes of autism, did they exist back then, et cetera? We we don't know all the, the medical implications, but I like to picture Matthew as somebody that's just pure evil until Jesus calls him. What changes in him then? Well, there's grace, right? Grace, God's grace, which is, it's a, it's a huge, I mean, it's the most important thing when we're talking about all the conversions going on here with Matthew, with all the other public sinners, Jesus is there and God's grace is present and God's grace. I mean, it's the power of prayer. And when you have God almighty right there with you, yeah, it's not like we're we're praying for a child who's gone wrong in his or her life and we're, you know, simply on a spiritual connection with God, you know, where I'm saying, well, dear Lord, change my child. Dear Lord, I pray for these kids or this or that. I mean, this is God Almighty is there in the flesh. God is physically there and he's converting these people directly. And so there's grace at work, but there's also a human side in that Jesus, and this is what Jesus does for us. This is why we need to pray more. This is why prayer is so attractive because Jesus heals the stuff in our hearts that's made us sinners, not just sick, but sinners. Jesus, he heals us. So there's, in some ways, culpability is lacking because we're not healed. In other ways, we are culpable because we're committing acts of evil. It's good to have that balance. And I like to see Matthew's story with that balance. There is an evil there. He has hurt people and he knows he's hurting them and he doesn't care because he's hurting. So he needs God's mercy and forgiveness, but he also needs on a human level, someone that's going to listen to him, be open to him, reach out to his heart. And Jesus does that with him and with all the others. Jesus is supplying for a need within them. Jesus is healing the, the hurts within them. Who knows what the hurts are? Who knows why Matthew became the way he is? Maybe he was a spoiled brat. Maybe his family was wealthy. And this is just something he grew up in. Maybe he was poor growing up, and therefore this was a way, because he was smart enough to deal with all the numbers, this is a way of compensating for that and getting even with all the bullies. Regardless, there is a lack of conversion. There is a lack of virtue. And it's not Jesus. This is so important for us in our own ministries. Jesus doesn't come up and condemn him and condemn his sins. He doesn't do that. He doesn't yell at him and say, you better you, you better follow me. You're going to hell, Matthew, you creep. He doesn't do that. He, You can imagine the look that he gave him. 
Just like he, we hear in another passage, there were the rich young man, Jesus looked at him with great love. And that made the man sad because he wasn't willing to follow Jesus. So Jesus comes up to Matthew. He looks at him. He speaks to his heart as Jesus always does. He says, follow me. Matthew drops everything and follows him. You can imagine there's a need for ongoing conversion. But with Matthew and his sins and then with these other people, the prostitutes and their own sins and their own issues, weaknesses, struggles, hurts, pains, Jesus is speaking to their hearts. And Jesus, I always love to say this because it's so important. Pope John Paul identified the, the, the I don't know exactly how you say it, one of the greatest sources of evil in our day and age is the father wound. In other words, a lot of people have bad fathers, a lot of people have neglectful fathers, but also we just don't believe in God. Our day and age, we, we don't, we, we've pushed God out of everything. There is a reigning atheism, and that's the father wound. It says, I don't have a father. I'm not being taken care of. I'm not being provided for. I don't have a father. That's, that's what people believe in their hearts. So therefore, it creates this need to be super independent and to take advantage. So all that stuff I mentioned earlier, big business, government, with the football stuff, everybody's taking advantage of everybody else saying, well, you're not going to help me, so I have to do the best I can to make as much money as I can and get as much status as I can because there is no community here. There is no family. There is no father. So what does Jesus do? And this is why the church is so important. Even though we in the contemporary church mess it up a lot, the church is essential because Jesus comes as father. He represents his father. Therefore, he is father to us in a lot of ways. I know he's the second person of the Trinity. He's the son of the father. But still, if you want to refer to Jesus as dad in your personal prayer life, do it. If you need a father, I mean, Jesus, of course, came to bring us to his heavenly father. So you can talk directly to the heavenly father, but let's just say you can't do that yet. Let's just say you have father wounds and you don't want to see God as father. You're, you, it hurts you to say the word father. Okay, come to Jesus as whatever it is you need him to be for you. The baby in the crib, your buddy, your friend, whatever, whatever it is you need. And Jesus fathers you in that. Jesus becomes father. We learn what fatherhood truly is. Therefore, we learn what we need, but we also learn what it is that other people need that we could be for them. Pope John Paul, once again, his theology of the body, talks about how everyone, and this is why masculinity and femininity are so important, male and female are essential to the creation of the human race. Pope John Paul says everyone is called to be a potential, at least potential, mother and father. So whatever you're doing out there, if you're male, you're called to father others. If you're female, you're called to mother others. Of course, when we talk about the roles and I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of exceptions in terms of what people are doing. A lot of single parent families, mostly women, and the woman has taken on the role of mother and father. And God bless her. God bless those women in those situations working very hard to do what they're doing. And we we love them. God bless them. We thank them for all that they're doing. But even they will tell you how hard it is and how, yeah, maybe they're wrestling with their own <laughs> issues regarding masculinity and fatherhood and all that. But so many of them will say, man, I wish I had a father figure for my son or my daughter. Um because I can't do it all myself. It's so difficult. Anyway, that's another whole topic in and of itself. But Jesus, getting back to the point here, Jesus provided fatherhood for these people. Jesus was a father to Matthew. He gave him the father's love. And in, in all that, you know, he's drawing him to the eternal father. 
So what is fatherhood? It's a nurturing. It's a leadership. It's a, um, you know, connecting your child with the world in a loving way. You know, moms are there at the beginning, mostly for the most part, not to be too stereotypical here. But yeah, psychologies, psychologists and people that study psychology will talk to you about developmental psychology and how the mom is so essential at the beginning. The mom represents the home, the hearth, warmth and comfort and love and providence. And as kids get older, they need a father figure more and more and more. And if the mother has already taken on that motherly role, it's very hard for her then to be in the fatherly role as well and vice versa. So once again, Jesus is providing for these disciples fatherhood, fatherly love. And that's why I said the prostitute thing is a whole separate issue because that involves literally Acts of love that are not very loving, acts that are supposed to be loving, that are made for love, that are made for husband and wife, that they're performing for money. Talk about the ultimate radical sinful independence, you know, dysfunctional independence, like, oh, I I can even do this and make money off of it. I can use my body in certain ways. It's devoid of love. It takes loving things and makes them cheap and, and horrible. And they are now deeper and deeper in a rut of not knowing true love, not having true love. And then along comes Jesus, not in a sexual way, not in a a taking advantage sort of a way, but in a way where he reaches out to them in a fatherly way and says, you know, he calls them by name. Beautiful scene in The Chosen where they're referring to Mary Magdalene as Lilith because that's the name of the demon. And Jesus calls her Mary and he breaks through all that and she breaks down and he heals her. He expels the demons and then she turns to him and follows him. The the, the rest of her life becomes a great saint, becomes a great follower of Jesus. What's funny is that when I went to prepare this sermon today, there's very few saints out there that are like the apostles in these, these early Sinners become saints. There's very few saints. Most of our saints, most of the ones that are my favorites that I think of, they grew up in a way. I mean, I know there are saints we could talk about that had big conversions, but there's very few of them. And yet, this is what Jesus did. So we should not lose hope that there's hope for you and me in our own sins, but there's hope for all the people around us. And this is how it's done. It's done through love. It's not done through preachiness of you better change your going to hell. Even though we do need to tell people the truth, and there is a time and a place for that, but it's done through the patience that we need to have with people, the reaching out, the openness. My goal is to bring you to Jesus, but I'm going to sit with you where you are, and I'm going to be patient with you, and I'm going to try to draw draw you along, and I'm not going to be one and done, like, oh, you reject the gospel, therefore we're not friends anymore. No, rather it's... I want to talk to you. I want to be there with you. I want to be there for you. I want to draw you little by little more and more into, hopefully for me, as I'm working on myself, we form a truly loving relationship, a familial kind of a relationship, brother, sister, father, mother, son, daughter, (laughs) Um, but all of it leading to Jesus and therefore all of it leading to the father. So, Whatever you want to do to pray with this today and as you go through your life, there's so much you can do. Imagine yourself as Matthew. Imagine yourself as one of the prostitutes or one of the other tax collectors. Imagine 
in our brokenness. We have resentments. We have brokenness. We have wounds within us that need healing. And Jesus is there. And Jesus wants to break through all that. He's saying, come to me. He's calling you by your name. And he's saying, come follow me. And he's offering so much love that if we understood the love that he was offering, as Matthew did, we would drop everything to follow him. And, you know, right there by his side is his blessed mother. There's, he's just, <laughs> once we make that turn to him, then the graces and the love just pour out in so many different directions. He gives us motherhood as well. <laughs> he gives us dignity. And it's a wealth that's not, it's not the wealth of being a tax collector or a drug dealer. It's a wealth that's far greater. It's beauty, it's kindness, it's love, joy, and peace, it's self-esteem, and it's meant to build us up straight into the kingdom of heaven. Have a great day. God bless you.